This is us is simply a series on what we believe are core biblical values. These are the values of anyone that, that are trying to grow in our love for God and our love for people. It's, it's biblical, it's godly. These things appear throughout scripture. Values like devotion, humility, unity, generosity, faithfulness. In two weeks time, we're gonna touch briefly on compassion. And today I wanna to talk about something that, that very, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, but very few Christians would think of as a real value, and I would argue that it's even a discipline, a spiritual discipline, a practice, and that is the value of celebration. Celebration is not from your grandmother, it's from God. It's not from someone that just wants to make you feel a little bit better for a moment, no, no, actually celebration is, is a part of God's nature and God's culture. There is a heavenly culture to celebration. In fact, those of you that, that would be familiar at all with the Old Testament would, would maybe have noticed that God often made it mandatory for everyone to stop. Like, stop. Stop working, stop producing, stop harvesting. Now, now it's one thing for us to earn leave if you work in a corporate environment. It's a whole other thing when you have a harvest. When you, when you are living off the land and, you, and, and, and like if you don't work, it's like, ah, oh, it takes faith, because it does take faith sometimes to actually take a break, to pull away, to, to remember that we're not machines, and to actually thank God for what he has done. So imagine, imagine going from slavery, which is what the Israelites experienced for 400 years in Egypt, to then being taken through the wilderness for 40 years, and then as they go into, I mean, during that season, as well as when they went into the, into the promised land, Imagine your new governor. So your previous governor literally just used you as a machine. Seven days a week, you had an, an inordinate amount that you had to continue to produce. Nothing like today, right? <laughs> and, that, and that your new governor, your new person who's in charge, your, this, this God who has delivered you and is leading you, forces you to take 24 hours off every week. Like, like so much so, he takes it so seriously that, that he actually makes it a law during that season. No, you are not a machine. I can produce for you in six days what you think will take seven. I want you to, it's not because you've earned it, it's not because you deserved it, in fact, you don't. This is a gift of grace. That's what a gift is. A gift is grace. It's, 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 it's a gift. It's undeserved. And then imagine, imagine this new ruler, governor, God, Lord, making it mandatory to have to stop and party a few times a year. Does that speak to culture? Yeah. To a value? Guys, I don't believe that heaven is boring and stodgy and, and you're definitely not gonna be sitting in a white robe on a, on a fluffy cloud playing the harp, okay? In fact, in fact, Scripture tells us in a few places, and I wanna just, just take a look briefly at, at three rapid fire examples that Jesus gave to a bunch of really stuck up, prejudiced, tight, hard-hearted religious leaders. The, the context out of which Jesus told the story about the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son, what, what, what is famously known as the prodigal son, was in the context of religious leaders getting offended at his openness and love and compassion and, and interaction with people that 
were far from God and that they considered to be unworthy, which that's, Jesus is like, this is the whole point. Hello, they are unworthy. Jesus was trying to make the point that there's no such thing as those with sin and those without sin. It's only those who acknowledge their sin and those who deny their sin. And the point he's trying to make to them a lot of the time is that, hey, you, you, you think you're more worthy? No, no, you're just in denial as to how much you deserve the grace and mercy of God. And so, again, forgive me those of you that are familiar with the story, but, but, but the only point I wanna get across is just some of the examples of where it talks about what I believe is the culture in heaven. In Luke chapter 15, Verse six, this is referring to the, to the shepherd who's lost one of his sheep. He goes around and he finds him. This is Jesus speaking, so he's giving these parables. Verse six, when he arrives, so this is after he's found that lost sheep, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. Now again, bear in mind, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus' words, not Jason. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one, one, Lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and heaven straight away. That doesn't mean he doesn't love the other 99. It's just, if you have kids, okay, who's got three kids? Who's got three kids? Anyone? Three kids, three kids, three kids? You're, you guys are impressive. Four kids, four kids, four kids. Anyone with five? Holy smokes. Six? Going for six, going for six. Okay, okay, so, so. For the people, yeah, Tammy, Tammy's one of six, by the way. Sue's mom was one of 10. Anyway, I don't know. Remember, this is when people could afford to have kids. Um, okay, so if you've got five children, right? Five children, and you're out, let's say they're all pretty young, and you're, and you're out you know, at a, I don't know, you're out at a market somewhere, and, and after a while, you realize that one of them is missing. How many of you know you're gonna be distracted? Yeah. You're not gonna be doing the ratio thing. Oh, well, I've got four, that's 80%. We're okay. I mean, by the way, if you think like that, you're in trouble, okay? No, no, you are focused on the one that's missing, on the one that's lost. It's not that you don't love the four that you have, you, but this one's lost. And those of you that have had people that you love kind of drift away to where, to where they're living a self-destructive life and they're, and they're hurting themselves, it can be distracting. You are burdened that this person is not experiencing the life, the freedom, the wholeness, the healing, the purpose that God has planned for them. It's in that context that he's saying, that Jesus is saying, guys, hey, hello, and by the way, by the way, I, I think that there are billions of angels. If there are billions of people, there are billions of angels. That, that's my opinion. He says, heaven erupts into a party. There's a celebration. He goes on to tell a story about the, about the lady who's lost her, her coin and she searches for it. And then, verse nine, when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. I'm just trying to give you a, a taste, just a, a little bit of insight into the culture of heaven. Then we go on to the more famous story about the prodigal son. And he's, he has rejected the father. He wanted the, father, the father's things, not the father. He's, he's gone away. He's, he's blown his inheritance, which he shouldn't have even been due to yet because that's how kind the father was, kind of allowing him to, like, like he allowed him to choose. He allowed him to go. But he comes to his senses and he comes back to his father wanting to repent. And I love how it says that in verse 20, 
as, as he returns home to his father, while he was still a long way off. I love that part of the story. Now, we, we, don't, we, we can't build theology on that because a parable is meant to make one point. But, but I, think that, I think that this is the heart of our father. While you're a long way off, his father sees him coming and then filled with love and compassion. Why? Why do we celebrate? Because you're filled with love and compassion. You care. You're grateful, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, like his son starts to try and pay off like a fraction of his debt, trying to grovel, trying to, trying to express enough. Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father is basically not even listening. He's like, hey, quick, get the servants. Quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate. We must celebrate with a feast. Well, what if that can feed other? No, no. We must celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And these words are actually in the Bible. So the party began. Absolutely. You see, what's interesting is that, is that people, in some cases, will think that, a, like, let's be honest, most people would struggle to reconcile the idea of God, Jesus, the cross, Christianity, anything to do with the gospel, and party. I've, I've literally heard people say, like, like, like if they think about eternal, hey, I, I want to go to hell. That's where the party's at. I'm like... It really isn't. And I don't mean that facetiously. I'm, I'm saying that with compassion. That's not where the party's at. So yes, yes, of course there are ways that the enemy has tried to make, celebrate. He, he tries to turn everything, to corrupt everything. That's why it's sad when, when church is sad. Like, like, like in like a somber, uh, there's a time to grieve, there's a time to, uh, but, but joy should be amongst followers of Jesus. And of course he wants to corrupt it and try and replace real joy, real celebration with, with counterfeits where, where there are various false options to stimulate and to distract and to numb and to medicate and to help you escape, sure. But do you feel better afterwards? I mean, maybe you do, I don't know, I, but I'm guessing long-term the answer is no. But there is a joy, there is a peace, there is, there is so much, no matter what we're going through, and I don't say this lightly, no matter what we're going through, there is so much for us to be grateful for. That's not to deny pain or suffering or mystery or anything that you're going through, but I'm just saying, in the midst of pain, I don't know about you, but I seldom ever have a season in life where everything's just amazing, or conversely, where everything just sucks. I would argue that if we're quite attentive, most of the time, if not all of the time, we're in seasons where there is a combination of both pain and challenge and stuff that we're having to endure, and there is reason for joy, for gratitude, for celebration. Literally this morning, I, like, I just, listen, I don't often wake up feeling like, whoa, let's go. Like, I need to, I need my coffee. I need to, I, I need, yo man, I need a lot of grace in the morning. 
but just, but just before, before anything else, like I was just I was like wiggling my, my, literally, I was wiggling my fingers, wiggling my toes. I'm like, God, how do you notice? I'm like, guys, I'm not, listen, this might sound so trite, but if you're able to move your head from side to side, if you have full use of your arms, your legs, your hands, your fingers, Guys, the most incredible technology, even million dollar artificial arms and legs and stuff, it, it is, that is outstanding, it's phenomenal, but it doesn't compare to, to the original. Guys, if, you, if you're able to breathe without assistance, if you were able to eat yesterday, some of, I have no doubt that there are people here that would know what it is to not know where the next meal is coming from, to not know where the next income is gonna come from. And what that does is it makes you very grateful when, you do. anyway, guys, I'm just saying, there is so much reason, so much reason for us to nurture what I believe is a discipline, a practice, a habit, a value of celebration without faking it, without having to, without thinking that that means you have to be like, ah, you know, I have to fit into a certain personality, I have to want to dance, do backflips. Um, just so you know, I've never been able to do a handstand in my life. Uh, this is a side note, right? Sue, Sue started doing some CrossFit and then they, they wanted you to do a handstand. I'm like, a friend of mine was trying to sell me on this. He's like, hey man, it's, it's amazing. You'll be able to do a handstand. I'm like, I couldn't do a handstand when I was six or 12. I don't want to do a handstand. I want to be healthy, but I don't care about a handstand. It doesn't matter whether you can do gymnastics, whether you can do flick flacks, whether, whether you enjoy music, dancing. No, it's, there's a, it's an attitude. You can be the most relaxed, quiet, thoughtful, sensitive, introverted person, and there'd be gratitude, there'd be a joy. So, a couple of, of ways that I believe that we can nurture joy and celebration is first, just simply, everything I've just been saying, through prayer and thanksgiving. Prayer and thanksgiving, but again, it's a habit. It has to be a practice. You don't wait until you feel it. Right? Those of you in meaningful relationships, you don't wait till you feel it. You choose you choose to value, you choose to invest, you choose to love, you choose to, to be a good friend, you choose to be a good spouse, partner, parent, and, and, then, and every now and then, the feeling catches up, and, you, and you're happy that it does, and then you're grateful for the feeling, and then that stirs more, anyway. So, Philippians 4 verse 6, don't worry about anything, or in some versions it says don't be anxious about anything, instead pray about everything. So, again, I wanna be abundantly clear, you don't have to be in denial to celebrate. You don't have to be in denial to appreciate. We can pray, we can commit needs. We can be, not, not only we can be, we should be honest with God. I loved what Ivan shared yesterday about, about learning to become honest with God. Yeah. Learning, learning to actually arrive with God as He truly is. So, so we can come honestly with our needs, our burdens, our challenges. Tell God what you need. And, that should be in capital letters if I was translating the Bible. And thank Him for all He has done. Has should also be in capital letters. Let's, yes, let's, let's be real. Let's, we can be secure with God. We can tell Him what we need. But let's also thank Him for what He has done. And there really is a lot. He is the kindest person you'll ever meet. He is the most trustworthy person you'll ever meet. He is the most gracious, forgiving, patient person you'll ever meet. 
Let's thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Notice he doesn't say, oh, then you'll get everything you want. Then all your circumstances will change. He's writing this from prison. Paul is writing this from prison. And again, I want to remind you, they didn't have EU standards back then. Okay? This wasn't a comfy, cozy, let's make sure the climate's controlled and you have three. No, no. This was a rough, rustic, Middle Eastern prison. He's saying, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You want to nurture a value of celebration, of gratitude, of joy? Let's commit to a way of life that is prayerful and that is thankful. And it's okay to be, it's okay to need to be both on the same day, at the same moment. It's okay to be, it's okay to need to bring your pain to God. And in that same sitting, be able to acknowledge and thank God for what he has done. Another principle is that of focus and obedience. Focus and obedience. Now, the, the reason I say that is because I think our, the gravitational pull of our human nature is to, we, we want to find the quickest possible route towards any destination. So we want the formula. We want, we want uh, man, we want the science. We want the steps. We want the principle. Okay, if, okay, if I do this, this, okay, boom. Like, then, then we'll have it. And I wish it was like that, but it's not. And so, and so I can't tell you, hey, if you just tick the box of, okay, well, I committed that to God. And tick the box of, well, I thanked him for the fact that I can do my fingers and my toes. Okay, great, great. Box ticked. Now, why am I not feeling joy? Why am I not able to celebrate? Because that's not the whole story. We also need to walk in obedience. We are, Guys, it's, man, <laughs> we so badly want to make Christianity like any other superstition or like any other religion, which means if I do A, B, and C, then I have control. No. It is about, if I do A, B, and C, maybe I am positioned to actually surrender and trust and be led. So it's not just tick the box of prayer and thanksgiving, but there's a focus and and obedience. We need to be trusting and obeying God. That, that, that exact same passage that I just read, Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, goes on in verse 8 to say, Now, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. He's like, hey, focus your minds. Focus your life. Because our lives move in the direction of our focus. Right? Fix your thoughts on Game of Thrones. I mean, on what is true. <laughs> on Instagram. I mean, on what... On, honorable, what is right, pure, lovely, admirable. Amen. Think about things. Think about things like, like process, digest, meditate, ruminate on things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Guys, I'm just telling you, and again, I say this with, with love and compassion. We can believe the right stuff. We can take some of the right steps. Things like prayer, thanksgiving, etc. But guys, if I'm gonna focus my mind, my, my free time, so, so my disposable time and energy, if the vast majority of that is gonna be focused on garbage, 
focused on lust, focused on greed, focused on like aggression and revenge and bitterness. I don't know what this says about me, but I realize that I've, I love movies, or I used to, maybe a little bit less than now, where there's revenge involved. Like, yeah, get him. Make him suffer. Like, I don't want him to kill him quickly. Like, make him suffer. You know, when they go, I'm like, wow, where does that come from? It like, it like does something in me. I'm like, whoa, yeah, 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 yeah. Pull it out one at a time. Yeah, yeah, like make it, you know. Because that's part of my human nature. There's a justice side to me that, that I like feeding that stuff, but, but that's not good. I mean, don't hold me accountable, but I'm just telling you, that's, that's not good. I, I enjoy my Scorpskit and you know what movies and, and series. Um, but, but guys, if that's, if that's what I'm gonna meditate on, and next time someone offends me, or disappoints me, or lets me down, or cuts me off in traffic, or treats me unfairly or unjustly in a queue somewhere, is my response gonna be one of mercy, patience, kindness, grace, or is it gonna be, take him out? One nail at a time. So, so guys, what do we focus on? What do we focus on? It, it matters. It matters. And then, the very next verse. Again, he's writing this from prison. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then, the God of peace will be with you. And this is why, this is why our practices matter. The things we do, do something to us. Whether you feel, in fact, I, I, I would tell you, I would argue that 99% of the time you're not gonna feel it in the moment. If you make a habit out of carving time out every day to spend time with God, to just, to just relax with, some, with just, a, just even some short time of prayer, reflection, God, is there anything that you wanna say? Or help me to experience your love or to know your love short time of reading, a short passage of scripture, but you make a habit of it. You're not, gonna, you're not often gonna feel it in the moment, but over time, over time, these practices are going to cause us to experience peace and confidence in God. Just very quickly, another, another principle or, or practice would be honor. I think, I, think, I think that another way that we celebrate and, and there are a bunch of scriptures in, in version that I'm not gonna have time to get to, so if, you, if you're on the version app, you can make sure you save the notes and go back to those, but, but we are encouraged to honor one another, to encourage one another. And again, you might not feel like it, but, but let's catch people doing things right. You may not want to encourage or compliment or affirm someone, but, but that's a part of celebration. That's why even over this weekend, we celebrated a few people. Once or twice a year, we do what we call Tigger Awards with our team nights, where we just, where we just I mean, we, we try and honor people on a bunch of levels, but then there's kind of like just those that for, in some cases, years, have just gone above and beyond. We want to honor, we want to encourage, we want to acknowledge one another. And then lastly, and this is gonna sound dwarf, because it's all we've been talking about, but to actually celebrate. And by celebrate, again, it doesn't have to fit into someone else's definition. This can fit into your personality or the personalities of those in, that you're celebrating with. This can, this can fit into your budget or lack of budget. This can, this can fit into your stage, your circumstances, but, but to actually take opportunities with family, friends, colleagues, team members, for food, laughter, shared experiences, like find excuses to celebrate. Yeah. 
I mean, the obvious ones are birthdays, anniversaries, graduations, successes. A friend gets an increase, make them pay, but celebrate with them, you know? I mean, this might sound so weird, but I've mentioned before, I think, that, that, that I've been playing tennis the last while, like not a lot, like once a, once a week, actually, generally, sometimes twice a week. But, but, but we've got a bit of a double thing going on, Ivan and I against Irwin and uh, Ryan Rutgers. And I'm happy to report that most of the time, we win. <laughs> Which has a lot to do with Ivan and, the, and his eye of the tiger. But, I mean, this past Monday night, we, we killed ourselves for about three hours, fortunately they lights, etc. And I, I mean, we all walked away tired. Like I was tired after the second set, let alone the fifth. But we won, eventually, just, just, just. And, and even though I won't often think of it in these technical terms, I'm telling you, that is a version of celebration for me. I am enjoying being outside. I'm enjoying being with friends. I'm enjoying the fact that I can move even if I feel sore afterwards. But, but, but it's, 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 I, for me, that's a part of celebration. Seeing the disappointment on Erwin's face is like, it's, it brings me joy. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Then again, am I? Um, but guys, we're gonna wrap up in a moment. I want you to think about some of your daily practices and some of your weekly practices. I honestly believe that church shouldn't be something we flip a coin about on a, Friday night, on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning. It should be one of our practices as long as we can. Because we, we come together, this, this is a mini festival. If you're paying attention to some of the words that we were singing during worship, this, this is a mini festival. We are, we are being reminded of the goodness of God. We're being reminded that he's our way maker, promise keeper, miracle worker. That's, that's a mini festival. I am convinced that there is a healthy, life-giving, modern-day, non-legalistic approach to appreciating God's gift of Sabbath 24 hours every week where, where we are reminded of His grace, that I'm not a slave, that I'm not a machine, that I don't have to have finished everything and, and, and earned this break that God actually, and for many of you, you can make that on a Sunday where you started off with celebrating Him and then enjoying time with friends or family or whatever the case is. If you're, if you're able to, if you have the finances, you can enjoy food. If you enjoy being outside where you go and you just delight in nature or delight in the people that you enjoy. Or if you wanna just sit down with a good book and, re and just enjoy being able to just read. Guys, there's so many different ways that we can do this. And I do wanna encourage you on a daily basis. There is a way to on a daily basis have many little celebrations, many little moments of reflecting and expressing sincere gratitude. Maybe, maybe tonight, put your phone on flight mode if you can. Or better yet, put it in a different room. But I know that's a little bit far-fetched, so I'll just be really, I'll lower the bar. Like, at least, listen, I don't know, by the way, if you can sleep with your phone not on silent, I don't know, good luck to you. I have people messaging me at very inappropriate hours. And I don't wanna hear them. Anyway, so put your phone off so that it's not the first thing that you go to in the morning when you wake up. That's the point. And before you 
before you exchange, before you open up your soul and your mind to the, to the busyness and the demands and the toxicity of the world, before you open up the world, because that's what we do with our phones, just, just take some time, even if it's literally a few seconds before you get out of bed, and just, just remember something that you can thank God for. I'm very mindful that for some people, there will be nothing natural about this. You might be in a season where you are, where you're struggling, where you're just grateful that you wake up another day. I, I get that. So where, wherever you're at, but let there be something. And again, even if it's just God, thank you that I can get out of this bed by myself. If you're able to walk to a bathroom inside your dwelling, God, thank you that unlike millions of people in South Africa, I can walk to an indoor bathroom. I can open a tap and there's water. If you're able to shower, have a bath. Guys, I'm just telling you, there's, there is plenty. If you're able to have breakfast, lunch, and supper. Guys, I'm just telling you, we live in a country where that is not the norm for everybody. I'm just saying on the most basic level, there's stuff for us to thank God for. But I would encourage you to go beyond that. And when you, when you sit down for, a, for some time with God, just to, before rattling off the shopping list or ticking boxes, just to ask God to help you to recognize and to sit in the fact that He loves you and to be grateful that you are loved, that you are wanted. I think that there is lots for us to celebrate. Agreed?